Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, do you ever feel like two people, like you're one person at work and then you're another person at home or in your personal life and there's this great divide between what your career path is and what you wish your career path was? Man, have we got a show for you today because today's guest is a career expert. In fact, not only with individuals, but also helping companies design a culture that is so positive that particularly millennials and Zs can find their career path, have those conversations, and be able to move forward. She is the author of a book with an amazing title, Stop Peeing on Your Shoes. That's right, Peeing on Your Shoes. Stop it right now. And she's going to help us understand how to do that today. She has her own consulting company. She is absolutely amazing. I ran into her first through uh, a news feed, an article that came up. I, uh, of course, scour the net and all sorts of media sources for work place experts and uh, culture experts. And I found her and man, it was an amazing article. So Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to the podcast today, Julie Bauke. Julie, welcome. We're so excited to have you on Work Positive Thank you. Well, I am excited to dive right in and have an upbeat, sparkling, informative conversation that inspires people to think differently, maybe about how they lead their people and how they lead in their own career. Yeah, so there's that that twofold piece we were talking about earlier, and that is how you lead yourself, right? Thanks. And then how you lead others. So in thinking about teams and those top talent attraction factors, let's say, Julie, that I'm out there looking for work right now because I think, what is it, 400 million Americans are 40 million? <laughs> Anyway, lots of us have resigned over 2022. Um, Let's say I'm out there looking for work. How can I identify some of those characteristics of teams that have top talent that I'm going to want to work with? So the first thing I want to do is sort of set the stage, how we got here, Um, because I think that's really important because our perspective on this whole topic varies, depends on what generation we're in. Mm. So you and I are old enough, I'm going to assume, to remember the days. I prefer mature enough. Yes, Uh, mature, wise, wisdom. (laughs) Remember the days when when you first started in the workforce, your goal, your only goal, was to get on with a big company and hang on for dear life for 40 years. Get to the line. And anything less, you were in danger of being deemed a job hover. So for a variety of reasons that most people know, We are quite the opposite of that right now. And so, in fact, back then, you could leave work at five or six or whenever and then not think about work until the next day unless you carry that briefcase of paperwork home. Technology changed that significantly because you became tethered to your job 24-7, to your clients, to your boss. And so that, that line between work and home began to blur. Then along comes COVID which sends everybody from a physical workspace back into their home workspace, Mm. into a home. And so the line pretty much went away. And so our ability to, even though it wasn't healthy, 
but our ability to be two people in what, a different person in both places yeah. and then to leave that work persona at the door when we left at five o'clock went away. Yeah. And this has created all kinds of challenges for people as they look at what do I expect from work? And then here come the millennials and Gen Z who say, no, 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 no. You're doing work all wrong. We're not going to do it the way you did. We're going to work to live and not live to work. And we still have a lot of boomers and older Xers in charge. And they're just clutching their pearls and can't believe that people don't want to do things the way they did, the way we did. And so culture starts at the top. What sort of, what sort of attitude toward the relationship between let's call them employees and leadership or management is the leader of the organization looking at their or looking at it as I'm in charge. I know everything because I have the title in the big office and you don't. And if you don't like it, you can leave. There was back in 2008 after the recession or during the recession of 2008, entirely different because everybody was so afraid that they hung on to their jobs and put up with everything. Now we potentially are heading into another recession, but the the rules of the game have changed. Mm -hmm. And so as a job seeker, you first have to decide what is most important to you and what do you want out of work? Mm -hmm. Some people, they want benefits, a great salary and the ability to forget about it after five o'clock. That's okay. Other people want to have their personal values aligned with their workplace, the work, their employer's values. That's okay too. And so from a job seeker perspective, you always have to get crystal clear on what it is you want from work. What do you expect out of work? What role does work play in your life? And once you get grounded in that and get clear on what you want, it is easier then to go out and find it. So a team I want to serve on maybe different from a team that someone else wants to serve on because it all begins with me. I've got to define what it is I want to work. Yes. Wow. How do I want to work? What it is I want from work that alignment with my personal values and the organizational values. And then therein lies my filter through which I find those top talent teams to which right. I'm attracted. Right. And it also drives what questions you're going to ask mm. in the interview really sort of, it, it creates your framework or your filter. And then you can then in an, in, let's say a company contacts you on LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn has changed the game completely. Sure. And if anybody who's on LinkedIn, you are always in play always. So a company contacts you and they're interested in talking to you. First thing you do, anybody who's paying attention to you research the company, go to Glassdoor, go everywhere you can think of, connect with people who used to work there to understand what it's like to work there. And then you say to yourself, does this sound like a place I can be successful? And mm-hmm. So to do this, it really demands that you look, go through the interview process and understand that you and the employer are really on equal footing. Mm-hmm. And just as if they're deciding they want that they believe you can be successful and you know, that you're a fit for them, you're also deciding whether they're a fit for you. 
And that is kind of a for a lot of people because we're so used to give me this job, give me this job, please, 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 without ever thinking, is this job a good fit for me? Mm. So self-knowledge and self-awareness is absolutely the starting point for job search, for managing your career where you are, for really making the right moves from the start to finish of your career. It's where it all begins. And that diminishes that need to be two people because my self-awareness, I understand myself. So it's almost like, Julie, I've got to interview myself first. Exactly. And say, what's important to me? Yeah, that's right. Sit down and have me, myself, and I, we sat down one day over cups of coffee and and we decided what are important. So I'm clarifying my own personal mission, my core values, my priorities. And then I look for teams and companies that I'm attracted to for that. And therein lies the top talent. Now, Julie, I'm thinking those same attraction factors become the way that the company reduces team turnover or the way that I can find a culture in which I fit better for a longer period of time. True. Yeah. Yeah. And like we've talked so far about the job seeker or employee side of the table, it really has to also be true on the other side and, you know, the leadership appropriate, let's just say functional, effective leadership styles are it's different than it used to be. And <laughs> thank God, right? Because we've moved away yeah. from that command and control Gosh, top down. Yes. You and morph you know, to fit us. I saw this stat the other day that said by the year 2030, let's see, it was 74% of the people in the workforce are going to be Gen Z and millennials. 74%? Uh-huh. 1.5% wow. are going to be boomers. And that's eight years. And that seems like a long time away, but you and I both know it flies. And so that is creeping. Yeah. It's creeping over to where the boomer way of leading, which we cling so firmly to in a lot of cases is going away. And so companies from a cultural standpoint, if you're clinging to top down, I'm the boss, I've got the fancy office and you don't. So you'll tell me what to do. And if not get out of here, it's, you know, you're going to lose your good people. And the person who pops to mind right now is Elon Musk. When he came out a few weeks ago and said, get back in the office. I was like, that is a huge mistake for about five huge reasons. People aren't going to say, okay, they're going to go see ya. And they are. And yeah, so you can't Back, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we kind of did what we were told. And these younger generations are saying, no, culture matters. Career development matters. My path matters. Recognition, flexibility, those things matter more than money do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it seems to me from an employer perspective, um, Musk is still rooted in that top-down command and control. And there's there's this division back to the work and personal life, right? Uh, task versus people. And so yeah. caring for people today seems to be the cream that's rising to the top of work culture. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, anything less than that, you are going to have, while you're working to pull people in the front door, they're leaving out the back door. Yeah, and your back door becomes like three times the size of your front door, right? It does. I mean, you have to look at, when you look at your hiring practices, you have to think about the people you're trying to attract, Mm. the people you currently have that you're trying to keep. So if the people you're trying to have, if they look at 
you know, you're offering all this great stuff, including nice raises and, you know, bigger salaries to the people you're trying to pull in the front door. They're going to sit there and they're going to be like, what am I chop liver? And they're leaving. And so you've got to be in re recruiting mode with the people that you want to keep. It's not enough to get them to show up on day one, but what are you doing through that entire process through their entire you know, kind of their entire experience with you. And the problem is leaders aren't prepared Mm. to lead that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, I've been paying you for X number of years. You just keep doing your job. Right. And exactly. I prefer the marriage metaphor. My wife and I celebrate 40 years this fall. And one of the ways that we've done that is we continue to date you know, we, we make time for each other. We make right. because we both evolved greatly over 40 years. I mean, I'm I'm a far better man after living with her for 40 years. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I'd like to think she's a far better woman. But we both morphed and changed and evolved. We'd like to think matured. And so that seems to be a great metaphor for how companies and teams can teammates can relate with each other is what's your current stage of maturity? What are you interested in now? next. And so from an employer perspective and a leadership perspective that you're talking about, there's that constant investment, because if you give the signing bonuses and things like that to the new employees, well, you know, the, the current yeah. teams are going to find out about that right? Yeah. and say, yeah. what's in it for me? Yeah. You know, interestingly, it's it's one of the things I've talked to a lot of people lately who are like in their 50s, mm-hmm. into late 50s, and they're saying, you know, my company doesn't think that at this age and stage in my career, I'm going to go anywhere. So they're pretty much ignoring me. Like she's been here 20 years. Where's she going to go? Oh no, that is not true. Mm. Because what's interesting, Dr. Joey, is that the desires of the younger generation are not that different Mm. than the older generation. It's just now they have leverage. There has been a survey out for decades that asked, what is it? Ask employees, what do you want? at work, what's most important to you. Salary was halfway down the list. And this is 20 20 some years ago. Mm -hmm. Then they asked managers, what do you think your people want? Salary (laughs) is at the top of the list. And the data has been there for a very long time. It's just that good, you know, leverage has shifted because we do have a talent shortage. Mm -hmm. And then the personality, the work personality of the younger generations, they're rejecting that. And so employers were able to be like, what? I didn't know that. But they've, if they'd been paying attention, they would have because their attitude has been, OK, go ahead and go. I'll just replace you. Well, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, no. Yeah. So the reality is the managers perceive one thing and the employees are living in another. That's a huge disconnect challenge. How can leaders, managers overcome that challenge? So one of the things that leaders seem to be really hesitant to do, and this popped up during COVID when everything was all up in the air, when employers were being you know, saying go home, but some of them didn't have the technology to support that. And everybody was trying to figure it out. Who's, who's an, who's a um, essential worker? Who isn't? It was a mess. And then when you start talking about coming back to work, what we found is that 
the companies who were the most effective were the ones who actually asked their people for their input. Now, Julie, there's a novel idea. Ask the people. <laughs> yeah. Involve the people. Get a committee of people who are smart, creative, hard workers, self-aware, have the pulse of the organization and have them put together a, you know, here's what we think works best. They're the ones doing the job. Ask your front line. Thank you. you know? And so when you translate that, so, so there's a lot of ways to do that. So COVID was just an example. So employers are at the top, at the very top, wringing their hands, looking at everything from a boomer perspective, you know, saying, well, in my day, you know, and why everybody gets back to work. And they weren't, the disconnect was huge. And the higher up in the organization, the leader was the bigger the disconnect, because a lot of times the middle managers kind of know what's going on. I mean, they're, they're aware. So when it comes to culture, career, those sort of things, there are a few things that companies can do. One is called the stay interview. You know, we hear about an exit interview. Right. Um, why are you leaving? Why don't you have stay interviews? Why are you staying? You know, why is it if you are still, you know, you're still here. What is it about working here that keeps you here? Mm. Would you recommend this place to your friends, mm. to the people you care about? What can we do? to retain you? What is it that you are looking for that maybe you're not getting or not getting enough of? There's a bunch of questions you can ask. I think the fear is a lot of times managers are afraid to ask because they feel like if I ask and they answer, (laughs) I'm compelled to do something about it. Yeah. So I'd rather go la, 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 la. (laughs) It's a lot easier, right? That I don't know what's going on and you know, then hope and you know, hope for the best and just, just keep working over there. And it's just, I shake my head when I hear about some of these things that employers are doing, you know, one organization I know of, they, they put an employee team together to do, to figure out kind of the return to work strategy, the work from anywhere strategy, the hybrid strategy mm-hmm. led by their HR person, who's super great and progressive. And they came and presented it to senior management senior manager goes, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do any of that. You know, and you don't have to do it all, but no. you have to listen and you at least have to get, you know, keep your ego and your arrogance in check and know mm-hmm. that the people doing the work, they're the ones who most know what's necessary to keep things running and to keep the customers happy. And there's just this ego, this arrogance we get that, well, I have a bigger job. Therefore mm. I am here because I am smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it, you know, the, the more you create, the more you as a leader can create the kind of culture that says, yes, I'm in, you know, yes, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Yes. The final decision is mine, but I want to know what you think. You know, I want to know what you're seeing and you create and you don't roll your eyes and ignore people. And you create that culture where people feel safe saying, I'd like to move over here in my career, or I really think this new thing we're doing, here's why I think that's not going to work like you think it is without suffer, without feeling like they're going to suffer from that. Yeah. From, you know, like if I say I'm in marketing, I'd like to explore operations. All of a sudden, I'm not going to get the good marketing projects anymore. Mm, yeah. And so all of this starts at the company level. And they're going, these companies, some of them, you know, I can think of a few, you know, that I'm very aware of who are very conservative and very top down. Mm. And 
they attract people who like that. But I, I fear for them that the number of people who will put up with that, that number is going to keep diminishing. Oh, it has. They just haven't gotten the news, Julie, that we've shifted from the ego economy to the we economy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's no longer about what you as the leader have done or can do yourself. It's more about what can we do together to achieve the company mission and everyone right. involved. So again, yeah. it's that redefinition of work that's going on. So yeah. one challenge is companies aren't listening. The way to the antidote to that challenge is right. Listen and then pick one thing, just one thing that demonstrates that you were actively listening yeah. Yeah. and that you want to create a culture in which people thrive as opposed to right. an assembly line right? Where you're just putting yeah. together widgets. Yeah. I know of a company here in Cincinnati that is amazing culturally. Uh-huh. And um, there are lines of people waiting to work there. Wow. And it's mostly referrals. Mm. So friends, relatives that know how much I love my job and I love this company. Sure. And it's, an, it's a manufacturing company. And they have, like you talk about some of the professions where there's a real shortage, like welders as an example. Mm -hmm. They have plenty of welders. They have welders in line who want to work there. And it's really because they involve their front line in everything they do. And people are just thrilled to work there. Mm. And they don't have a talent shortage. Mm. And I've got to believe that uh, that top talent's level of productivity and engagement is out the roof. Oh, yes, absolutely. And so the company was started by a guy who believes in this as a concept or a theory. And he, to prove it, he bought a company and instilled that culture and all of his concepts in that company. And it's been a crazy success. And he was able to sell it for multiple times of what he bought it for because he created the type of culture that people are like, I want to work there. And people don't want to leave, you know? So, and then people figure out pretty quickly whether they want to be there or not. You know, the late Tony Shea, who started Zappos, one of his cultural tenets was, look, if you come here and you discover pretty quickly, this isn't for you, I'm going to give you X dollars to go ahead and quit. Wow. Yeah. But think about that. You're making it easy for people who know they don't fit there to leave instead of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Mm. When I grow my front line, I'm growing my bottom line. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, they're the ones who are doing the work. And just because they don't have a college degree, maybe, you know, it doesn't mean they don't have good ideas and they aren't really much more in touch with what's going on than someone at the top is. I always say, it seems like the higher up you go in an organization, the thinner the air gets, mm. you know, it's just not getting to your brain. I, I don't get it. And it's just ego. It's, it's ego. It is. And again, that shift from the ego economy to the we economy hasn't risen to the top yet. And so we yeah. surround ourselves in senior leadership with people who just tell us what we want to hear, or they think yeah. we want to hear, right. as opposed to staying in touch with the front line. And that's what Tony did, right? And creating that culture, yeah. stayed in yeah. touch with people and invested in the people and seeing them as human beings, as opposed to human doings. And so therefore the culture of the company got so great that uh, yep. Bezos had to buy it, right? <laughs> it, seems, it seems, you know, to you and I talking here today, it's like, well, duh, you know, yeah. that's such common sense, but it, it isn't, you know, it isn't. As, as they say, common sense ain't so common. And I think that applies um, in management right. leadership, yeah. That's exactly right. Well, again, we're surrounding ourselves in an echo chamber so that we're hearing our own voice resonating back to us. 
And we might see that bottom line slipping, but it's like, okay, we need to keep doing the familiar more and more and more. When the right. shift from the ego economy to the we economy is real. Julie Balke is my guest today on Work Positive. And uh, the BalkeGroup.com is her website. I hope you've been over there as you've been listening to this. Uh, Julie, let me ask you one final question. What's one thing, and let's do this from two POVs. What's one thing someone seeking a career change or job change today can do? And what's one thing an employer can do, a company can do to um, today to really have a dramatic effect on work culture, a positive effect? The first thing I would do from a job seeker perspective or someone who's considering changing jobs or careers is take a look back in your career. Take a look at every job you've ever had. Mm. And with every job, make a list. What did I like about it? What did I not like about it? What were the best parts of it? And when you do that for every job you've ever had, and then you gather all of those good things in one list, you are well on your way to describing the type of culture that you can be happy in and thrive in. And then you try to stay away from those things that were your negatives in all your jobs. Start to create. So so our process with clients, we call it think, plan, execute. So we run, we believe you need to run your career management and job search with the end in mind, start with the end in mind. So you want to think about it as a project. So in think, plan, execute, you're not even out there networking or doing anything until you get fully self-aware, put together a plan and start to feel like you're narrowing in on what you want to do next. And so look at it as a project and the project is your career, but start with a real good analysis, not only of who you are today, but who you have been in the past that brought you to who you are today. The clues are all there. You know, people who say, well, I just want, you know, I just want, um, you know, I just want to do an assessment and have it tell me what I should do. (laughs) No such thing. That's part of it. But the answers are in you. So that would be my advice for the individual. Yeah, so really what you're talking about is identifying your own stories, your narratives. Right. You were at your highest peak performance. And what are those patterns that can guide you when you are at your best, when you're most alive? And then that becomes the blueprint by which you search for a new job. Well said. One of the things I tell people is, look, if you have a really bad day at work, like a bad day, like you go home and all you want to do is lay on the couch and put the blanket over your head. (laughs) Really get curious about that. Why was it a bad day? Mm-hmm. What did you have to do? Who did you have to interact with? What kind of stuff was on your plate? Mm. That'll tell you something. Likewise, when you have a really good day, yep. do the same thing. Why was it a great day? You walk uh-huh. home and man, I love my job. Why? Yeah. So you have to be curious about it. And so don't start a job search on your worst day. You want to start a job search on a good day. Because then when you're on a bad day, you're feeling bad about yourself and you don't fall for anything. Oh, yeah. And you'll take any old job that comes along then, right? As opposed to this self-discovery narrative-driven process of discovering big performance. Okay, that's from the job seeker perspective. What about the employer perspective? What's one thing I can do today to transform my culture to make it uh, very positive? step back and take a look at what tools, channels, what do I have that we currently have working in our organization that allows communication to be a two-way street? Mm. You know, if you do like a town hall every quarter as the leader where you say, here's how the company is doing, blah, blah, blah. 
and it's like just me to the people, that doesn't count. I mean, it counts, but it's not. What are you doing to create a culture, a safe culture of openness for feedback, for input, for people to truly have a say in not only the work on their desk, and then how are you rewarding your leaders for how they're engaging with their people? If you are only rewarding or bonusing your leaders on productivity numbers, in other words, the what and not the how of their, how they're doing their job, you're going to create a situation in which you are going to get bad behavior because people will run to whatever's being measured. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that you are measuring the things that lead to a good culture, not just lead to outputs because, you know, people want their bonus and dang it, you want yours. Yeah. You know, so look at those internal systems. And a lot of times we think we're doing the right things. But when you look at what am I incenting? Mm-hmm. What am I rewarding in any way? And then what are the channels that I currently have to make sure that this is not a top down only organization? Um, and get ahead of that before you start to see a mass exodus out the back door. Yeah, before people start creating their own back doors, right? Running through walls. They will. Yeah. Yeah. So active listening is the key. And then just choosing something to act on to take a step yeah. towards yeah. creating that flat organization. Yeah. And don't be afraid. You know, if they tell you, if they say, you know what, since you asked, it sucks to work here. Yeah. The temptation is to get really defensive. Mm. Well, why do you say that? <laughs> no. What do you mean it sucks to work here? Why are you still here? Curious. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, that's why, why do you say that? Being curious. And, right. And again, it's that shift from the ego economy to the we economy. If it's not about yeah. me, but if it's about we, right. then yeah. the cream rises to the top and we all work yeah. together. Julie Balke has been my amazing guest here today on the Work Positive podcast. And I am so very grateful for the time and energy you spent with us today for the wisdom that you shared. Work Positive Nation, be sure to go to thebalkygroup.com right now or go to your favorite bookseller, whether it's Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. Amazon, Amazon. Jeff Bezos will deliver it directly to your door, right? (laughs) Tomorrow, if you order right now. Tomorrow, (laughs) right. There'll be a little drone that'll come by and and drop Stop peeing on on my shoes right there. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Right there. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Uh, Thanks so much. You take good care and uh, we'll look forward to having you back on more episodes of Work Positive Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases their productivity and profits get your free 15-point work positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download this checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, it pays to work positive.